Update on all things food, family, community, gardening, whatever. We call it Sidecar. If it has to do with the rituals around food and holidays, making food or taking it places, or remembering what we were eating during important times in our lives, we'll talk about it here. I am your host and bestie, Jen Coleslaw, coming to you from the soulless and less than regal suburbs of Northern Virginia. And I will just note that it is a beautiful day here and I have the window open. So you're going to hear maybe some wind noise and some bird noise and maybe some Sister Helen noise. And that's just the way it's going to be today. Welcome to birthday week month, birthday week month. Yeah, I make it a whole month with 100% more coronation. Did I watch the coronation of King Charles? Yes, yes, I did but I watched it a day later because I DVR'd it and I skipped the boring parts. And do I have thoughts about it? Yes. Yes, I do. But here's the thing. I am living in a country that has a mass shooting a day, at least one, where there are 120 guns to every 100 residents in the United States. And that's a statistic from 200 in 2017. And I guarantee that number has jumped significantly. That's 393 million firearms in the United States, and only 6.06 million of them are even registered. In Texas, where you can now buy and open carry an AR-style rifle without even showing any ID, has had over 100 mass shootings in the last two years. So I don't think there's anything I can say about any other country and how they do business. When I'm coming to you from the United States, the mass murder capital of the world, nothing says a polite society like an armed society, like 199 mass shootings just this calendar year alone. huh? If you've been listening to the podcast from the beginning, though, you know I have a great fondness for the UK with my father's parents coming from Ireland in 1910 before it was even Northern Ireland. And now my oldest childhood friend is my pen pal, Bev, who was kind enough to invite me to visit in 2019 when she and her husband lived in Wales. And it was the best trip ever. It was life affirming. It was just, it filled my soul. And one of the very first pieces of mail she ever sent me when we were 10 years old was a packet of pictures and a little pennant from the countrywide luncheons from Queen Elizabeth's Silver Jubilee in 1977. And it was after Will and Kate got married that I started looking for her again after we lost touch when we had both gone off to college. Reconnecting with Bev and meeting Keith and the rest of the family has been such a gift, and I hope I get more opportunities to visit. But back to the big coronation. The one thing that I will say is that I would not have waited in the chilly pouring rain for hours and days for any of that. 
But if I did stand out there with thousands of other excited pro-coronation, pro-Charles and Camilla, pro-monarchy folks, I would not be afraid of being mowed down by a person with an automatic rifle while celebrating with my friends and family. So birthday week was a bit of a bummer, but not for lack of good wishes from all my friends and family. I have said several times here that spring has long been my favorite time of year because it's renewal and growing and it's the garden. But the truth is the last decade, it has been anything but that. And it is a time to acknowledge that. And I don't say that to sound all sad and maudlin. It isn't anyone's fault. It's just circumstances. Work is so busy in the spring and, and not just busy, but stressful. It's very stressful. The hot weather comes so early here in Northern Virginia, and I really can't manage the hot weather, especially now after having cancer. Ben travels a lot during the spring, so for the last two years, he's actually been gone for my birthday. I'm far away from all of my favorite people, plant stores, plant sales. The bindweed comes back, and you know how I feel about that. And suddenly it's the second week in May and I didn't start any seeds for the plants that I can't buy down here. And I don't have the time or the bandwidth to drive to Rhode Island to load up my car with flats of plants like I used to. I do blame the pandemic partially because it has so messed with my time management skills and my anxiety and my continued expectation that this year will be different and it is never different. If anything, Every spring is a little bit more disappointing, and I'm a little bit more behind and disorganized, and I am less inclined to try to make the changes to make the next year better because I'm starting to feel like there will just be some other crisis that keeps spring from being a happy time. So maybe it is, as my mother would advise me, time to let go of that pipe dream of spring being my favorite time of year and come up with another favorite time of year. Fall is actually a nice time of year. I wish we planted more things in the fall. Maybe I need a bigger greenhouse with a heater in it so I can grow things all winter. Okay, quick doggy update. Rufus Russo Rojas, Tennis Ball is Life, that is his working title at the vet's office because he needed an official name, started his 120-day heartworm treatment yesterday. He's on doxycycline for the next 30 days to prep him for the big three injections that he will get on days 60, 90, and 91. He'll be hospitalized for the second and third shot. His heartworm is stage two, which is absolutely not the worst, so that's good news. And I expect that he will probably be a pretty good sport, but he is totally not going to like the 60 days of crate rest, which starts after his first shot. So please send vibes. Here's the thing. Heartworm is so easy to avoid just by getting a monthly or yearly preventative. Rufus's previous owners, I think, loved him very much and had him on heart guard up until last year. And then whatever happened in their lives that created a crisis that ended with them dropping him off at the animal shelter with heartworm and a coat all matted and filthy, they paid money for this dog, and he had regular vet visits and exams and medication until he didn't. And it took less than a year for the heartworm to take hold. Like almost everything else in life, an ounce of prevention is cheaper than the pound of cure, or whatever that saying is. 
A year of HeartGuard is less than $100 with zero side effects for most dogs, but heartworm treatment can be awful, especially for stage three and four dogs. And it's expensive. Don't risk it. And don't get your preventative at like Amazon. Get it at the vet via a prescription that you can fill at Chewy. In other news, Rufus and Clown Shoes have become friends and enjoy light wrestling and smacking each other. Despite Rufus being a bit of a horror show on the leash when he's out on walkies, mostly with other dogs and people, um, he gets really aggressive with them. And I know it's just leash reactivity, and we're going to work on that once he's healthy. The cats seem to recognize that he is not a threat at all. And Pete, Clown Shoes, and Sister Helen actively antagonize him, much to his delight. And now that both Waffles and Rufy are over kennel cough, we can reintroduce them and hopefully get Waffles back into Gen Pop so he stops sulking in the second floor bedroom. In other news, the farmer's markets are all pretty well open here, and while the produce is mostly leafy greens and strawberries, so far I have picked up two cases of strawberries plus a few additional quarts. Even though the later strawberries are sweeter, the earlier ones have more pectin, which means, to me anyway, they are better candidates for jam. Remember when I made that batch of strawberry jam that just didn't set up so I let it be strawberry sauce? I think upon reflection, it was because I used very ripe strawberries and they lacked natural pectin. Natural pectin is found um, in um, perfect strawberries and not quite ripe strawberries. <clears throat> now, a pro tip on strawberries in general is that they lack a lot of natural pectin, like they are not a high pectin fruit to begin with, whether they're not quite ripe or they're ripe. So you do have to use other methods to make your jam set up. You can, and if you don't want to use um, a box of sure gel, which is usually what I use, you can also consider adding chopped green apple because there's lots of pectin in green apples. Um, I suspect my runny jam did not set up because my proportions of strawberry to sugar were off because I was probably distracted and not paying attention to my recipe, and I was using overripe strawberries. But when you're contemplating making jam, definitely make sure you're using some underripe strawberries to help you out, but no more than one-sixth of your total strawberries, though, <clears throat> especially if you're going to use boxed or liquid pectin, because remember that underripe strawberries just do not have the flavor or the sweetness. Other fruits with natural pectin include citrus, especially in the peel, pears, tart apples, cranberries, quince, plums, while fruits like cherries, grapes, strawberries, nectarines contain very small amounts of pectin, so you have to use other methods to set those up. I use a lot of lemon juice in every fruit thing that I can because it's the equivalent of adding bleach to your laundry when you want to make sure you're really sanitizing a load. Lemon juice is a good defense against bacteria in a hot water bath canning method, but I've never considered adding peel unless I've been making a marmalade because the peel and pith can be so bitter, but maybe it's something that I will research and try. In fact, at the farmer's market, one of the vendors who freeze dries candy also freeze dries fruit. So I brought this week, I, I bought some freeze dried lemon and orange and I thought I might pulverize them into dust with the food processor and then add some chunky sugar and use it as a glass rim dip 
for cocktails where you rim the glass with sweet and sour sugar or salt or whatever, and for sprinkling on top of cookies like those lemon sugar oatmeal ones that I posted about last week. And speaking of farmer's market, I complained last week that they were overcrowded, which is a me problem, not a them problem. But I discovered how to deal with that, and that is to go early and to go to the markets during the week. The Thursday morning market is small, but it has two great produce and plant start vendors, two bakers, and a woman who has some of the best hanging baskets. The heirloom apple dude that I talked about last fall will be there later in the season. Plus, there's a bunch of other vendors there, um, and it's rarely crowded. There is also at least one farmer's market during the day, often two, Tuesday to Friday in Fairfax County. So I can go to the weekday markets, and that's actually my plan to scope them out, and then go right when the weekend markets open and they are less crowded and I will feel less anxious and hemmed in. This week at the Thursday market, I got beets for my neighbor, Sarah. They were a little small, but honestly, she really just likes them for the beet greens, and the beets are just a gift with purchase. A case of strawberries, and this weekend I got plants, which included several hot pepper plants, more of that crazy freeze-dried candy that I can't seem to quit, some freeze-dried lemon and orange and strawberries, four slices of fudge. Uh, ben picked out three slices. I can't remember what he got but I got one slice of panucci nut, which is my favorite, a pint of blueberries, some herbs for the garden, and a tray of tall zinnias. I have been looking for two very specific things at the markets and at the plant nurseries. Campari tomato plants, which honestly I should have just started from seed, and maybe I'll do that today, but it is kind of late, and a yellow butterfly bush. The variety is usually called honeycomb. So let me know if you see it out and about in your travels. That yellow butterfly bush is going to be my white whale, I think, because now I can't stop thinking about it. I had one in Providence that was gigantic. It was big and it was lush and it was beautiful yellow flowers on it. And I bought one for here, but it didn't last more than a few years for some reason. And it died off about three years ago. And I've been trying to find one forever since then. And nobody has one down here. I also did find a very fun petunia called cappuccino, and it looks like it's a white chocolate dusted with cocoa. It's a bit of a stunt petunia, and I don't usually go for those. For one thing, they're usually very expensive. Uh, so I just got one. I also got a strawberry mint, which definitely smells fruitier than usual mint. And instead of being an upright grower, it seems to be a bit of a creeper. So that's kind of cool. I will plant it in a pot, though, because I've learned my lesson with planting mint in the garden here. Mint that was dug up in the big dig, if you remember, it was uh, six feet down and six feet across, um, has actually come back no problem. And unlike the bindweed, I don't mind the mint getting into everything because when Ben cuts the grass, it smells so good, but still, I will keep this mint contained. And finally, in other disappointing personal household news, it may be that our 2016 era above ground pool that I love so much has too many challenges for this year. And I am upset about that. And I don't want to talk about it because that pool has been the summer's saving grace and I will be miserable without it. But speaking of things that make me miserable, I have to go to Richmond this week for what better be the very last meeting of this stupid plastic waste prevention advisory council, which has been a gigantic waste of my time, effort, 
mileage, and good humor. Despite loving in-person meetings, I have hated every minute of these things because they are driven by the plastic and manufacturing industry and their overpaid douchebag smarmy lobbyists who only care about plastic pollution legislation, that is, making sure we don't have any, so they can continue to do business as usual and flood our communities with plastic pollution and microplastics, all while pumping out messaging about how the only way we'll get out of this mess is by recycling, which is absolutely a bullshit greenwashing gaslighting message. <sighs> Needless to say, I will be glad to get off this advisory committee. Okay, enough whining. How about the food holidays for the week? Slim pickings, I gotta say, for this week. It is National Hamburger Week, and I am a fan of hamburgers, especially with cheese on them, cheddar cheese specifically. Today, which is Monday, May 8th, is National Empanada Day, and there are several empanada vendors at the farmer's market, especially at the Saturday ones. I find them to be a little heavy, though, for the morning, and so we don't usually buy empanadas at the farmer's market. It is also National Coconut Cream Pie Day. I am very much a fan. I don't think there's anyone that sells coconut cream pie at the farmer's market, which is kind of a bummer. I've never made one, though. Um, I don't know why. I probably I should try to make one. It's also give someone a cupcake day. And if you need someone to give a cupcake to, you can give one to me. My favorite cupcake store, which is called Cupcake Heaven in Haymarket, has hummingbird cupcakes this week. And those are definitely in my top five. Tuesday, May 9th is National Butterscotch Brownie Day. And I say this every year, a butterscotch brownie is really just a blondie, isn't it? I mean, it isn't a brownie because while there may be chocolate chips in it, there isn't cocoa in it, so it's not brown. Regardless, I do like them. I am not a fan of those fake flavored butterscotch baking chips, though, so don't put any of those in. Just use toasted pecans and a lot of brown sugar. Wednesday is National Shrimp Day, and you can have mine. And it is also National Root Canal Appreciation Day, which you can also have. But I will tell you, I'd rather have a root canal than eat shrimp. That's how much I don't like shrimp. Thursday is Eat What You Want Day, which honestly is every day for me because I don't think that people should not eat what they want to eat, unless, of course, it makes them sick. And then I wouldn't want you to eat things that make you sick. But anyway, here's a list of things that I would like to eat on any day or on Thursday. It's a short list because honestly, I could just talk all day about the things I want to eat, which I guess is what this podcast is all about. Anyway, hummingbird cake or cupcakes. And if you don't know what hummingbird cake is, it's like a cross between banana uh, bread and carrot cake. So it's like a banana cake with nuts and cream with cream cheese icing, but I think it also has coconut in it somewhere. Um, banana cream cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory. If you haven't had the banana cream cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory, you should definitely try it. It's it's actually it's I think the actual title is fresh banana cream cheesecake. Pasta primavera. I've been thinking a lot about pasta primavera since I talked to my friend Kelly about it last week. Um, big fan, a great uh, meal for summertime, especially if you're looking for vegetarian stuff. Um, I tend to not use a, I don't like a cream sauce on my pasta primavera. I like a nice white wine with just a little bit of like Parmesan, 
uh, cheese or, um, you know, some other good hard Italian cheese to sprinkle in there. Anyway, a big fluffy veggie omelet with cheese and donuts. Those are all things that I would like to eat. Friday, May, sec uh, May 12th is National Nutty Fudge Day, and I like all simple fudges with nuts, including panucci nut, chocolate nut, and peanut butter with nuts. It's also National Public Gardens Day, and if you have a public garden or a botanic garden or a test garden in your community and you've never gone, go check it out. They're often free, and if they aren't free, they're inexpensive and they're expansive, and they can be all-day fun and interest for the whole family. The docents and the staff are a wealth of knowledge as well, and a lot of them are even dog-friendly as long as your dog is on a leash. Saturday, May 13th is National Fruit Cocktail Day. And I know that fruit cocktail is different from fruit salad, but honestly, who really eats fruit cocktail anymore with all that added sugary syrup? I suppose it's good if you want a little bit of fruit every day, but you don't want to cut up a whole pineapple or whatever, so you get those little cups. But um, all the fruit tastes the same for starters. Although I, I do remember when I was growing up how much I loved getting when we had fruit cocktail and whoever got the the one half of the pale maraschino cherry. Anyway, May 13th is also International Hummus Day. And let me tell you, Ben makes the best homemade hummus. He makes it for the staff up at the animal hospital and they practically accost him when he walks in the door and they are visibly disappointed when he doesn't have any with him. It's also National Apple Pie Day, which seems a little early for apples in the US, but I don't make the rules. So make some apple pies. And it's also brunch for lunch day, which seems redundant. I mean, the whole point of brunch is that it's breakfast for lunch. So what is brunch for lunch? This is a dumb holiday. It's also National Crouton Day. And here's my cake crouton idea that I teased last week. Use cake end pieces from bakery. So pieces of cake that either get trimmed off or extra cake or whatever. The same with cookies or sweetbreads like banana bread or cranberry orange, you know, whatever, sweetbreads. And then you, cru you cube the cake, toast it, and turn it into croutons for on top of ice cream or yogurt or pudding or custard or whatever. Like, consider a commercial bakery. There has to be so much waste for things that don't turn out quite right, whether it's brownies or cookies or cakes or muffins, right? Well, just turn all those already baked rejects through a cuber and then toast them lightly and bag them up and sell them. Profit. Cake croutons, cookie toppers, muffin mix-ins, whatever you want to call them. You're welcome. Sunday is buttermilk biscuit day. And when I was growing up, it was a buttermilk biscuit that was the foundation for strawberry shortcake. And while it's a teeny bit early in New England for strawberries, it is perfect timing for strawberries here. And to bring this whole thing full circle, you could use the lemon sugar from the dehydrated lemons that I got at the farmer's market to sprinkle on the biscuit to sweeten it up just enough to make it dessert. I think that would be delish. It's also National Decency Day, which I'm sure will be celebrated by yet another mass shooting or a parcel of laws gen uh, denying gender-affirming care for kids and adults or making women bleed out in parking lots until they are in septic shop before they can be treated in a hospital in several states. So that's cool. 
And just to get to you to Monday, in case I am running late again next weekend, it is chocolate chip day on Monday, the 15th of May. Chocolate chips can go in a lot of things. Mostly, I put them in my banana bread. Happy Mother's Day to those who celebrate, hugs and love to those of you who have complicated and complex relationships with mothers and motherhood. My email box is flooded with Mother's Day promotions and crap, but one company, the Hunter Boot Company, gave me an opt-out earlier this week, which I appreciated. I didn't take it, but I still appreciated the option. And now I find myself looking at all of the Mother's Day emails to see if there are similar opt-outs, but I haven't seen any. So two thumbs up for hunters. It compelled me to place an order for new boots for stream cleaning for me and Ellie because there was a crack in my old boots. And that is how much I appreciated that opt-out and they got my business. Thank you for continuing to support the podcast by rating and recommending the pod to your friends and colleagues and by subscribing to the Patreon, which can be found at patreon.com slash Cakes. This past week, I continued to mourn the lives of people taken by gun violence, and I will never be okay with, or, with that or okay with the idea that thoughts and prayers will be enough. And I was reminded, too, when a sitting congressman told us all on CNN that prayers were, in fact, enough, because if you believe in the almighty God, then you know he has all this nonsense under control. Well, here's the thing, my dude. I beg to differ, and I offer up these words from my man, James. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Thoughts and prayers after another mass shooting is faith without deeds. So here's a deed for you, my friends. If you have people in your world who are still voting for Republicans blindly, despite the rights actions of the last decade, tax cut for the rich, eliminating food for school-aged children, cutting veterans' benefits, slashing protections of clean air and water, their full-throated yelps to defund the Justice Department and the FBI, their support of insurrectionists, their continued support of the big lie of the 2020 election, like... I'm not even going to touch on some of the things that are extremely important to me, like book bans and trans bans and gun control and women's health. You can just stick to the things that Republicans have typically made their bread and butter, like law and order and rules and small government. Anyway, if you have people in your life who are impacted by these shitty conservative policies but are still voting for Republicans that perpetuate them, please work on changing their minds. I think if we have, I think that we have been shown who they are. And they aren't going to do any good deeds to go along with their faith in their false idols of guns and money. So we just have to outnumber them so we can do our good deeds for everyone. I'll see you next week. 